1: president joe biden could not look more different they come from opposing political parties their rhetoric is different their style is different their vision for the country are nearly polar opposites but is this one more case where the old boss and the new boss are the same boss beyond the headlines of what's happening in their presidency are there things that they actually share in common let's begin think you know the news of the day think again Well, we do know that President Biden and former President Trump share at least one thing in common, for sure. And to help break all of that down, uh, one of my favorite thinkers and writers, Yuval Levin, the Director of Social, Cultural and Constitutional Studies at the American Enterprise Institute, uh, joins us on the line. Yuval, welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Uh, You had a great piece in The New York Times uh, talking about uh, old boss and new boss and and many of the things that they share together. Give us the insight.
2: Well, they certainly are different. There's no question that uh, all those distinctions, ideological and temperamental, are right. But what I argue is really that we're living through a period of weak presidents, and that these two in particular, uh, President Trump and President Biden, may well be the two weakest presidents that we've had in over 100 years. If you think of them as executives, not as figures in the culture war, not as – not as figures in our political culture, but as actual chief executives of the U.S. government, which is the job they were elected to do, uh, both of them turn out to be quite weak. Uh, And you you can look at that in terms of their influence in Congress. You can look at it in terms of the real command they have over the federal bureaucracy, their ability to advance an agenda, even to articulate an agenda. Both of them end up looking like exceptionally weak presidents. And, of course, in terms of public opinion, that's true as well.
1: Yeah, and so interesting. So let's dig into some of those uh, in particular. Uh, let's start with Congress in terms of uh, their ability to influence or, or drive what's happening uh, on the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, what are the comparisons there?
2: Well, you know, the the, the, the sort of cliché thing to say about Congress at this point is we're living in a time when Congress is very weak. And we tend to think that that's because presidents are very strong. And I think it's certainly true that Congress has been weak in in this 21st century. But, in fact, it's not because presidents are very strong. Our presidents also have been weak, and it is not a coincidence that we find the chief executive and the legislature weak at the same time. Both of them are engaged in work that is neither executive nor quite legislative work, but that's more like a kind of partisan political performance art. They both want to be commentators on each other rather than really doing their job. And the thing that really stands out about the presidency in particular as an institution or a system is that its strength comes from the meeting of obligations. The president's job is defined not so much as a series of powers, which you might say about Congress, but as a series of responsibilities. And when the president is not doing his job, he's weak, not strong. And I think both these uh, recent presidents have found that. And, you know, Congress does not care what they think. I mean, if you ask yourself what has gotten uh, enacted in the uh, the last uh, six or seven years, we well, can point to a number of things. There's been tax reforms. There have been uh, there, there's an infrastructure bill. There was some COVID legislation. In none of those cases, really, has the president been the driving force in the way that we might have been used to in the course of the 20th century. Um, and certainly, in the case of uh, of the Biden years, you've had all these you know small bipartisan accommodations happen in the Senate around infrastructure, around the Chips Act, a few other things. And President Biden's opinion has just not mattered even a little bit in these negotiations. Uh, Everyone assumes he will sign whatever they produce, and it's true.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Yeah, oh, that's so fascinating. I want to I go a little further uh, into one area of your piece, and you alluded to it just a moment ago. In terms of the uh, the executive, the president, uh, not being defined so much by those powers, but by those responsibilities. Uh, and one of the parts of your, your piece that uh, really struck me was really this question of could those people working in those government agencies, in those executive branch agencies, uh, would they really know what the president would want them to do uh, in that role? And you gave a really interesting comparison in terms of why that uh, shows a weak President Trump and
2: a weak President Biden. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of the kind of classic tests of presidential prowess, of actual administrative ability is the question of whether mid-level political appointees, you know, a deputy assistant secretary who the president appointed in, in the Department of Health and Human Services or Education or in the Pentagon, can easily imagine what would the president do if he were in my job and then do it. And so if you think about somebody in the Pentagon in the Bush years or at HHS Health and Human Services in the Obama years, and really under most recent presidents, They could pretty easily say, you know, if if Ronald Reagan was in my job, I know how he would make this decision that's in front of me. But in the case of both Trump and Biden, for different reasons, um, this has been very difficult, I think, with with President Trump, because he was so unpredictable and could go in any direction at any time and change his mind to any degree with, with basically no constraints. And in Biden's case, what really stands out is that he does not set priorities. He doesn't set clear goals for his administration Any recent president, you could say these are the two or three things this president cares about, and that includes Donald Trump. You could certainly – whatever you think of his ideas and of his abilities, he cared about immigration. He cared about trade. There there were a small number of things. With Joe Biden, I don't think anybody could really make a list like that, Mm. and the people who work for him have to find it very difficult to determine how they should prioritize things and what kinds of decisions they ought to make. And that's poor leadership, right? I mean, that's ultimately yeah. a chief executive who is not in command of the bureaucracy because even the people who would like to do what he wants don't really know what that is. Yeah,
1: I, I, that's so true. We often talk about it on this show in terms of, of that leadership element that focus always precedes success. Uh, and so whether that's uh, – as you said, that President Biden was, has been lacking in terms of a clear focus, in terms of here's the priorities, here's the agenda – uh, with former President Trump, it was a lack of focus and a, a lot of uh, squirrel chasing in terms of what the uh, political issue or the performative politics of the day uh, were that, that both undermined that. Uh, so what what did the American people learn from this uh, in terms of uh, our, our most recent presidents uh, and what we should really be looking for? Uh, as we get ready and start uh, eyeing 2024, because I fear if we don't focus uh, as the electorate, as the citizens, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be served up more of the same.
2: I agree with that. You know, I, I think that ultimately we have to learn that the presidency is actually an executive job. It is not fundamentally a, a, a political performance job, but an actual management job in a in a political sense. And so I think there's no better preparation for the office than being a governor, Um, and many of our best presidents, not by coincidence, have been governors before they were president. There are ways, you know, that being a senator is almost like the opposite of preparation for the presidency. It teaches you to just talk and talk and talk, and there are no consequences, which is exactly what the presidency is not. Um, And, you know, a, a president's experience has to matter. So to me, I think that, it, it makes sense to try to look for ways to bring governors back into the presidency, or at least to look in the, in the background of a potential candidate for reasons to believe that this person understands what executive leadership entails. It's, that's not a skill that comes naturally. And the presidency, you know, is not a, an entry-level job. It's a job that we have to see as requiring extraordinary demonstrated experience and competence.
1: Uh, so important uh, to get to the, the right questions. We're always looking for the big answer in terms of, of who mm-hmm. or what. Uh, you know, we need to know that, uh, you know, Lincoln and company are not uh, walking through the door anytime soon. Uh, and we right. really have to start looking at this in a, a little different way in terms of, uh, you know, their ability to, to rally a big crowd uh, is one thing. Uh, to lead and govern in an executive role, uh, I think, is is quite another And uh, it seems to me that we've been far too focused on those who can uh, light up a political rally. Uh, I think it was uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs that said, uh, crowds are moved by great speaking, uh, but individuals and communities are transformed by great listening. Uh, And that's Mm -hmm. sort of what you have to do as as a governor. You have to get in the trenches and listen and then actually govern.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly right. And we have to look for that. I mean, as you say, it is up to us as voters, ultimately.
1: Yeah. Uh, Great insight as always. Yuval Levin, the director of social, cultural and constitutional studies at the American Enterprise Institute, editor in chief of national affairs and a contributing opinion writer at The New York Times. His piece in The New York Times is one you ought to check out. And uh, he is always one of the great thinkers, great writers uh, that we have in the country today. And uh, Yuval, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Again, that's Yuval Levin. Uh, That's someone I always look to uh, for some good, level headed deep dive, elevating conversation. Uh, You don't get that everywhere these days, uh, but Yuval Levin is one of those uh, who delivers. And I think that's so interesting. People look at uh, President Biden and former President Trump as polar opposites, and yet they are very much the same for very different reasons. Uh, Both, as Yuval pointed out, are pretty weak on the executive leadership category. uh, And that's going to require us as voters uh, to think differently about the highest office in the land and what the job actually is. It's not about a collection of powers. It's about a delineation of specific responsibilities that need to be carried out. And that's what we've got to get back to. Performative politics will always lead to more performative politics and politicians. What we need in the country is more serious conversations about principle and about policy for the American people.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon.